Hey everybody, welcome to episode 10 of the MTG Grindcast. Uh, we made it to double digits. It's a success. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> it's happening. Rousing, rousing success. Yeah. Uh, we are still the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina with a special focus on the SCG Tour. We are your hosts. I am Chris Castor-Apple, and with me, as always, is SCG Mainstay, GP finalist, and now scg.com published author collins mullins oh uh, yeah how's it going collins pretty good you know it's it's kind of cool when your title keeps on getting longer and longer <laughs> i mean at some point i'm gonna have to start cutting you know you, your resume <laughs> is supposed to stick to about a page like once we hit like a minute of your things <laughs> we, we can't keep going yeah that. yeah well i can't be like daenerys stormborn first of <laughs> my name blah 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 blah. well you are the mother of dragons oh so. yeah okay well sweet <laughs> So today, we're going to do a little bit of a different thing. Like, we usually talk about modern and talk about standard, but those formats are kind of... I mean, you're going to be playing modern this weekend. But yes, I'm heading up to Louisville this weekend, uh, playing some modern. But probably not going to be a big topic on the podcast this weekend. Like, like standard is about to end, and yeah. modern is... I mean, modern. Modern, yeah. Modern's in this, like, weird, stale area where I'm probably going to end up falling back and playing Valkut again. But I'm not happy with my the positioning of Alkit for this weekend, really. Deck's been kind of been hated out a bit in Modern. So I'm currently kind of like lost in the middle of testing out some new things. So I don't really know what I'm doing yet, so... Yeah, I, I played Valkit this weekend at, at, at a PPTQ. Uh, round one played against Collins' roommate Jeremy <laughs> on Storm. Somehow beat him. Yeah. Jeremy's draws were very terrible. Right. Um, and then just played against like hilariously bad matchups all day long. Black Red, Blood Moon, Thoughtseize, Dark Confidant, Dot Deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kark Clan, Ironworks, and it was mm-hmm. it was just a rough go of it. The one time I played against Death Shadow, you know, it felt amazing, but the rest of the time was not very fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Valco definitely had its its heyday a little bit, but I think Modern has shifted in terms of what I've been seeing lately. So. Some new things to test out, but, you know, yep. check check back with us next weekend when we can talk about what happened in Louisville. Yeah, yeah. But for today, I think we're going to stick to sort of all the big announcement stuff. If you've been paying any attention at all, you saw uh, the MTG Arena announcement, which is, you know, this new part of Magic Digital Next. Um, we're also going to talk about Iconic Masters, and, of course, we've got plenty of Ixalan spoilers, including mm-hmm. some really spicy re- reprints. So plenty on the docket. Yeah, so I, so let's start uh, MDG Arena. Yeah, I watched the um, they had a little Twitch podcast or Twitch broadcast, mm-hmm. just kind of I guess it was last weekend, kind of demonstrating what they were kind of going with or going for with MTG Arena, which is kind of what seems to be their next step towards making Magic kind of more appealing to the masses, making it like more of a eSport kind of feel. Yeah, much more streamable. Right. Yeah, much more streamable. Like, that's kind of like, you know, Magic Online exists and has all the cards and is very good for testing, but when it comes to trying to entertain and be more accessible to new players, Magic Online does a pretty terrible job of that. It does. Um, Yeah, so they're kind of looking into this sphere of... Hearthstone was very successful with kind of just making it like an easy-to-follow game that people could like stream and watch and mm-hmm. get involved in and that's kind of what they're going for i think with mtg arena yeah it's definitely a, a sort of hearthstoneified version of magic yes. which right which honestly has needed to exist like like they know the limitations of magic online and reaching a wider audience on the iconic masters site mm-hmm. there's like a graphic that says experienced player check out magic online mm-hmm. like clearly aimed like you can't just go pick up magic online unless you're already invested in magic and right yeah so hopefully this this fills that void that they've kind of left right i mean for for those of you that didn't see the announcement it's in the twitch stream you know it's much more graphically intense sort of magic the gathering mm-hmm. um you don't have text on the cards that are in play uh which i think is a huge improvement because you couldn't read the text on the cards <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, in Magic Online. Right. Uh, but they're all represented by uh, pictures. There's different sounds for each cards. All the dinosaurs have different roars. Um, like, they played Jace, and he came down and said some snarky thing. Some of it, some players may not be as interested in, especially for, like, serious testing purposes. But as far as being an actual video game goes, mm-hmm. it, it's much closer than... Right. Yeah. It's definitely, we're taking a step into that sphere of the the digital future where you know i think the, the people at wizards of the coast recognize that 
there's just such huge base of players that want to play this game on the computer and want to be entertained by it. So they're they're looking for that, and I think that seems seems like they're they're taking a good step towards that. Yeah. So I think maybe the best way to organize this discussion is to talk about the pros that we see for it, talk about sort of the cons, the downsides that may pop up, and then we should just talk about like what we kind of want to see them do with it that would make it uh, both useful for us and things that, that we think would make it a successful product, you know, in general, maybe not even just aimed at the most competitive players possible, but but right. especially the things that would make it useful to us as people who want to play magic in a hardcore way. <laughs> yes, right, right. People who are already invested in the game so much that right. we don't we don't need all the bells and whistles. I think we've definitely already gone over some of the pros. More accessible to a wider audience is something that I'm definitely excited about for magic's future. Yep. So that's definitely something I'm excited about. And I think that the like making it free to play, you know, whatever sort of Hearthstoney or Eternal kind of model that they use, we've talked about before how Magic Online you have to pay ten dollars to even make an account, and that doesn't get you anything. <laughs> right. You're now allowed to play Magic in this like simulation of paper Magic: The Gathering, which includes right. like you have nothing, and it's it's very frustrating to start out that way. For sure. It it seems to me like this is gonna be kind of have that Hearthstoney feel of slowly building up your cards yeah over the course of just like playing the game naturally like you start out with like you know whatever packs that you get originally and then you can kind of like slowly build from there Mm -hmm. so that seems like like an interesting and unique way to approach magic it's going to be very different i think than what a lot of like magic players are used to which is like infinite accessibility to all of the cards like you know you you want cards you can just like go out and you know, trade a bot for them or whatever, right. How, whatever you're used to buying from a vendor in Paper Magic. You just kind of like have accessibility to like all of the cards. But I think that in MTG Arena, at least initially, it's going to be more the case of, you know, you, you're going to have to like either buy packs in order to have that kind of like same accessibility. I don't know if there's going to be any like resource that you can use to like make cards specifically if you right. want them or anything like that. And I think that that'll be cool for a lot of players, like, initially getting into Magic. I think it's it might, like, kind of... Um, maybe if, even for some players that are used to playing just regular Magic and kind of miss that collectible side of Magic where mm-hmm. you're you're actually actively going out and collecting stuff. Right. Like, um, after, you know, play three more tournaments, I'll probably have enough to finish this X deck. Right, exactly. Like, I think that that'll be kind of fun and cool to, like be able to play in kind of like a, another unique experience for Magic where you can you can kind of start over and start from scratch and not have a collection and then like slowly build that up and just kind of like remember the times that you had when you initially got into Magic and kind of experience that a little bit. Yep. And I think that, that you know, that could definitely be like a cool way for that to kind of be its own unique format. I think that it's probably going to have trouble replacing... I think that it's probably going to be kind of a poor substitute for any of the formats that exist right now in Magic, mm-hmm. just because everybody's so used to this, you know, the status quo of how Magic works and how they're used to playing the formats and everything. But yeah, I think that I'm excited that it's going to be kind of like in a new, unique experience. Yeah, it'll it'll definitely be strange, like building a deck and like I I don't know if this is how it's going to work out, but you know, you're building a deck on Arena. And you are like, well, I've got two Ripjaw Raptors. I gotta like keep battling, and then get my third, and now <laughs> right, I can right, put right. my third in my deck. But that's like that's one of the reasons that I did enjoy Hearthstone when I played it. You craft uh, Face Hunter early on, and you use that, and you you grind, and then you slowly have enough that you can like play a kind of gimped handlock deck, and right, then eventually right. <laughs> you get Jaraxxus, and it feels really great. So. Yeah, right. So that's a, that's a fun experience. It's it's not as applicable to, you know, testing real formats and stuff, but it may just be a good way to get more people into the game, which translates into more people playing competitive Magic eventually, probably. Right, yeah. Right, so I kind of want this to be able to become and replace Magic Online. Eventually. Um, eventually, and I think that that might be the case three years from now. Mm-hmm. Or maybe longer. I don't know if, if they go at the same rate as like how you know Magic Online caught up with Paper Magic. I, I think that that's probably unrealistic, at least for now. I don't think it'll be replacing Magic Online for what I use it for personally, which is the testing. Yeah. Even if we suddenly put just all the cards that exist into Magic Arena and it was that testing platform, there's also the problem of 
part of why I like Magic Online so much is because I, when I play on like competitive leagues on Magic Online, I can expect a certain level of play skill, mm-hmm. and I think that that'll take a while to kind of like catch up through Magic Arena. Like I think that the players that are playing on Magic Arena online at least are going to not have that caliber of, of skill level that the players that I expect to have on Magic Online. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a little bit circular possibly because if everybody just thinks that, everybody stays on Magic Online and then nobody moves over, you know? Right, yeah. But, but I think you're probably right if only because, especially for like testing modern, if people have like $1,500 collections on Magic Online. You're not yeah. just going to abandon right. that and play modern on something else. Yeah, yeah like I have a, a pretty large collection on Magic Online that I use to play modern and, and standard consistently and everything. Yeah, even if this like immediately just popped up as a, like an alternative option... As a player, I'm just not going to do that because, yeah. you know, I just, I've already invested so much in Magic Online. And, and now it is supposed to release, it's actually, it's full release and it's, it's going to go into closed beta relatively soon. I mean, they've got signups for it now, but upon its full release, they say that they're expecting to have all of the standard format in it at mm-hmm. least, um, and that you're supposed to be able to use it to draft. So yeah. it, it, those capabilities right. will be there at least. And so maybe... I'm not super invested in my quote-unquote standard collection on Magic Online right sure, now. Sure, right, um, right. So, you know, depending on which of my friends are online, maybe a, a yeah. decent testing platform just and for you, standard. I think you brought up a good point, too, in the fact that I think drafting might just be... MTG Arena might just be the best place to go to get a draft in. Like, if you know, if you can just draft the standard format or the whatever the current limited format is, mm-hmm. and it's just the exact same as anywhere else... You know, that's just real testing that you don't need. Yep. You know, you don't need Magic Online for that. You're just, like, drafting the set. Right. So... As long as your opponents are a similar caliber to... Right, and that, that would be kind of, like, my... The, the one thing I'd be concerned about is, like, okay, I'm joining a draft on Magic Arena. Is this going to be more like an FNM draft, or is this going to be more like a GP Day 2 draft? Right. At least on Magic Online, like, the, the single limb drafts on Magic Online are pretty competitive. Yeah. Like, kind of Day 2 GP level competitive. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, as long as the MTG Arena drafts can keep up with that, and I think that just kind of depends on how accessible it is and how popular it becomes with, like, the pro magic community. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if it's just an easy alternative, then I don't think that that would take too long to catch up. Right, like, when I first started playing Magic Online, all I did was draft because I right. didn't have a collection, didn't have the money to invest in, you know, a full standard deck. Right. But could certainly draft. And especially if they're going with like a more free-to-play model that incur- mm-hmm. you know yeah. gives people a free draft a week or something like that, mm-hmm. then sort of makes that a normal place to go where you would just right. want to draft. Yeah. Or if like if the the pricing was similar to like Hearthstone Arena, yep. if you go three three, you make your money back or whatever in Hearthstone Arena, and you can just rebuy something similar to that. Or you know if you're out of rebuys or whatever, you can just like pay two bucks for another one. Yeah. You know, we're, we're so used to Magic Online prices being so similar to Paper Magic, but I don't think that that has to be the case moving forward, especially with this digital product where, you know, none of the cards that you're acquiring are valuable outside of the game. Right. Uh, whereas Magic Online, you know, you can sell those for real money. Right, and one of the things they did say is that these collections are, are not going to be tradable. That's not going to be part right. of the game, which I honestly am, am super in favor of, as long as there is a system for crafting the cards that you need or whatever. Yeah. I right. I hate managing a collection of cards <laughs> with shifting values, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like thinking about rotations and stuff like that. Like I've left so much money on the table in mm-hmm. Paper Magic and, uh, and in Digital. So, I mean, like I am concerned. I don't really want to have a third collection. But because it doesn't have that same level of like micromanagement right. that yeah. my current collections yeah, have. Yeah, I mean, if you just like don't have to worry about it because nothing's like worth anything, yep. then I think that that just kind of like takes that pressure off a little bit. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, and then the pricing structure can be different. I mean, how do you convince somebody like, oh, go try out Magic Online, pay twelve dollars and do a draft? <laughs> right. Yeah. If, if they don't really play Magic, you, yeah, you can't. Yeah. But right. pay pay two dollars. Then sure now now we're talking about a price range that's like reasonable yeah. um, and it it just I just can't see it being more than that if the activity that you're getting is nothing more than just play money right 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 and I, I mean their their goal is like they said explicitly their goal is to have MTG arena streams be among the top viewed streams on Twitch right and that means that you need people playing this game you need an enormous number of people playing this game but 
the flip side of that is if you have a ton of people playing the game, you don't need everyone to be a whale. Right. Know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. For sure. So, you know, any concerns uh, or cons you think that we can talk about so far outside of that? Yeah. So one thing that somebody mentioned to me that was really interesting, um, this is one of my friends who was pretty into Pokemon, the the trading card game. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how true this is. I don't know that much about Pokemon. But he had said that they came out with an excellent uh, digital version of their card game. Yeah. And that it ended up stealing a lot of space from the paper game. Mm-hmm. A lot of people play their Pokemon exclusively on the digital app now. Right. And so that's something that I would not like to see with Magic. Yeah. Um, because I love going to a store and hanging out with my friends and playing cards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I love traveling to to tournaments and seeing people there that I haven't seen in a while and that sort of thing. Right. Hopefully enough people love that, that Magic proves to be a little more resistant to that kind of development. Um, but it, it's, you know, at least a small concern. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, Magic Online has stolen some players away from the local scene mm-hmm. of playing Magic. Like, I, a lot of my friends who play at a higher level competitively, they they don't go to Friday Night Magic or, right. like, local tournaments kind of at all. Yeah. Because if they want to test for a larger event, they're going to play on Magic Online. And they kind of view going to Friday Night Magic or, like, the local weekday events as, like, a waste of time. Right. So Magic Online has done that to a certain extent. I could potentially see... If, like, this MTG Arena becomes that, like, even more of the casual players will also do the same thing, where it's like, hey, if I want to play Magic, I can just load it up on my computer now. Um, And I guess that is the risk of the $2 drafts. Because if you can do a draft for $2 on Arena, then can you really drive to your game store, pay $15 into it in paper? Yeah, so that is definitely a concern for at least the local scene. I can't imagine this replacing like the higher level tournaments okay i'm not really worried about that that they're probably going to push it as a platform for competitive play at some point like if they're really going hard for yeah i definitely foresee that being kind of like the future of this Mm -hmm. where you know if they're trying to be an esport then they got to be an esport not just like an e-casual thing right right so tournaments Um, that are awarding thousands of dollars in prizes right they need to have those on this platform right for sure that's definitely like part of the like foreseeable future in the years to come mm-hmm. for this but yeah as far as as far as like the local scenes or whatever for like paper magic cards yeah i don't know yeah i you know i i could see that i could see that happening where like numbers dwindle at fnm because everybody's just at home playing their two dollar drafts <laughs> or like even the like the better the better fnm players could probably even still go infinite depending on like whatever price structure there are for the drafts on this thing yeah so. and and i think that would be a shame. Yeah, same. I, you know, I, I spoke about a lot of my friends who don't go to FNM anymore, don't go to the, the weekday tournaments at local stores. And I, I like, I get it, but I love the, I love my local community so much, and I love, you know, the people there that I still like going to Friday Night Magic when I can, and like going to, like, the weekday tournaments at my local shops, just because of, I think, what you mentioned earlier, which is, like, the community aspect. Yep. I play at a level that's just higher than what I'm expecting to face there. So it's not like I'm going there to like get testing in or whatever. It's just, it's more like that I just, you know, I I like fostering the community there. The people there kind of enjoy following me and like following up with what I'm doing because they get to see me playing in these big tournaments and stuff. So, you know, if I'm just like, if I never show up, then those people that are at my local shop aren't going to be able to like interact with me in that way. So I, you know, I, I still think it's important to like go and hang out and you know have fun with these people. So. Yeah, definitely, and um, it, it is fun. It's it's actually I don't know, like I look forward to it. Every yeah, week. for sure, absolutely. You know, I, I've got this written down under the you know what I'd like to see happening with MTG Arena, and hopefully this helps you know alleviate that concern. Is if they make a strong connection between paper and arena, and so I mean the obvious thing is you know like having codes and booster packs that give you some amount of whatever their gold is or packs on arena or something mm-hmm. like that right um but it could also go the other way people who get into magic playing arena they could i don't know exactly how you know you can't win like a voucher for a draft at your local store because those are all independently owned but well maybe i mean you know that could be a thing that happens like if wizard says to all the local stores hey we're gonna supplement you with product that will cover the cost of these vouchers that we're giving up sure on out on our online platform 
economically that could work if Wizards decides to supplement the local stores and cover that. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, that could be a thing that they wanted to do. I don't know, you know, exactly what well, goes it, into that, but if they're using Arena as a recruiting tool, as an introduction to here's how to play Magic the Gathering, it's mm-hmm. exciting and fun. Right. Um, then turning that turning players who are enjoying playing Arena into players who now would like to play Paper Magic, would like to have a, a Paper Magic collection and get into that side of it, mm-hmm. uh, then I, I think it does have to go both ways somehow. Right, yeah, for sure. Um, definitely trickier to go one way than the other. but Right, you know. right, because all you need are codes in every third booster pack or something like that that mm-hmm. says, hey, here, here's a free draft on MTG Arena, check it out. And right. I worked at a game store, I saw the thing that happened with Pokemon, where you know people would come in and buy Pokemon packs, and they would get little codes or whatever that they were even more excited for than the actual cards themselves. Yeah. You know, to be able to play on the online Pokemon game, and like the players that were into the online Pokemon game, like bought those real life Magic cards for the code, Pokemon cards rather. And then I also saw you know like some players who weren't into the online game buy packs of Pokemon cards. And just kind of like hand out those little codes to the people that they knew were interested in that. Sure. So yeah, I remember those codes being like very sought after. If that's something that, if that's the a direction that they want to go, I think that that would have success for sure, at least for the online platform. I just don't know what effect that would have on the paper game itself. Yeah, I think it might be a little bit of a tightrope. And right. Yeah. I mean, and I guess the the last con that I have for this is kind of a very all-encompassing concern that and this is going to sound more negative than i'm I'm meaning to to imply (laughs) uh but i have great confidence in wizards of the coast to develop the game of magic right beyond that they haven't proven a whole lot to me Uh, between magic online between the website you know trying to go check your planeswalker points on the website for that uh if you've forgotten your password and need to get back into the site most of these experiences are not good the fact that number one just developing an online game is difficult and then number two incorporating it in the proper way so that it's complementary to paper magic and they help each other is kind of a, a narrow tightrope and something that I don't know that anybody has really done successfully. I mean, Magic is the biggest card game in the world, and, and there's not there's not precedent for what they're doing here. There's not a blueprint for them to follow. So, I mean, fingers crossed. Like, I hope this works out. I am definitely excited for MDG Arena. I, mm-hmm. I think it's a good thing. But they're going to need to be smarter and more careful about this than they've kind of been with anything except for designing sets of Magic yeah. the Gathering cards. Right, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with the sentiment for sure, but I I think I'm optimistic about this. Yeah. You know, I, I don't expect to see any game-changing things soon, in like in the foreseeable future, like at least like in a year from now or whatever. Right. But moving forward, I think that this is definitely, uh, I have my eyes on this as a good future for marketing magic, the yep. gathering. I, I am optimistic, and I also feel like this is a step that had to be taken. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think this should have been done years ago. <laughs> right. And I'm glad yeah. to see it happening. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, if they had focused on this instead of Magic Online forever ago... Who knows where we'd be right now? Right, right. But, you know, that's that's kind of like an impossible ask, right? Yeah. You know, the, they were able to look at Hearthstone having the success that it has. And I this is probably their the result of the aha moment that they had forever ago when they looked at Hearthstone and said, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that there is competition in that space now. Hearthstone yeah. exists and they are making money hand over fist. Uh, Eternal right. is doing well. And it's obvious that they need to do better and they need mm-hmm. to learn lessons from these models. And I, right. I, I hope that's what this is. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I think, you know, overall I'm optimistic. I'm excited to see where it goes and if it becomes a new platform that I, you know, want to play with. So And if we do get to the point where the the top MTG Arena streams are among the top streams on Twitch, then that it can only be good for the game. Yes, absolutely. I would be very excited to see that. Yeah, me yeah. too. I, I don't like going on Twitch, typing magic in the search bar, and Donald and Mickey's magical adventure comes up before Magic the Gathering. <laughs> right, makes, yeah. That makes me sad. Yes, yes, it does, for sure. I definitely understand that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so I, I guess that's our take 
Yeah, for I think, now I think that summarizes kind of my th- initial thoughts on it. Yeah, like we'll um, we'll get back when we have more information, but for now, right. So iconic masters. Yeah, I I think this should be a relatively short discussion because mm-hmm. it doesn't change any formats beyond changing <laughs> prices of cards and, and right, giving right, us right. a draft format. Yeah, but oh boy, I. I think it might change some prices of some cards, which oh, yes. is good. Right. You know, I'm I'm always excited to see that. I you know I I like seeing accessibility to magic cards being made easier, kind of in whatever form that takes. And it sounds like they did some interesting things with this one. They were able to keep it unspoiled until people were able to get up their hands on it initially. Yeah, kudos to them for pulling that off. Right. So that's that's kind of cool to see that like that could happen, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, because they were doing that. You know, I'm pretty into magic, and I just, like, didn't know that this was a thing up until, like, recently. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I had heard of it, and then right. just shuttled it straight to the back of my mind, and yeah. it, it didn't... Un- until a couple of days when I was like, oh, Hascon, that's when this thing is coming out, right? Like, I just not thought of it until then. You know, the lack of a spoiler season, I, I don't totally understand, like, what the intent of this set is. Like, it doesn't... It, it's not quite as pointed as like a modern masters set where i totally get the idea behind it um so this set with like mana drain and also horizon canopy and ancestral vision and oriac champion in it like it's not as like cohesive as like a graspable concept to me Mm -hmm. i don't know if that makes sense yeah no i i understand for sure it it definitely didn't have like the hype leading up to it or whatever that i i expected it to right i agree um but i think that uh you know it's always kind of fun to get like extra fun external draft formats or whatever. Yeah. You know, so like, you know, if you want to draft a new format that you probably like haven't looked into or whatever, you can you can do this. Are they is there any talk of putting this on Magic Online or is this a paper only? No, this is on Magic Online, yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So you'll be able to draft it as much as you want. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I guess like one thing, small thing, uh, apparently a rules change is coming along with it. So, uh, cuz Magus of the Moon is in the set. Which, th- there's a lot of good rares in this set that I'm mm-hmm. really glad, because the supplies are really limited of them in Paper Magic. Um, so having access to Magus of the Moon, uh, more Thoughtseizes, Ancestral Vision, Horizon Canopy, right, right. Uh, Flusterstorm car- especially. A lot of the cards, you're, like, all of the cards that we're listing off here are cards that I have viewed as just, like, ridiculously way too expensive to yeah. exist. There's, like, Horizon Canopy um, is a good land. Yeah, but it shouldn't but be it's not $100. $100. Right, yeah. And Flusterstorm was, like, $80 at some point, or yep. maybe that's 60 or something ridiculous. Something. And it's not even modern legal. Um, or React Champion saw no play and was $40. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so this seems like, you know, they, they definitely hit a lot of good spots for taking a look at the magic market and saying, these could use reprint. Yep. And, and the thing I was, I, I cut myself off from saying was there is a small rules change uh, with the oh, blood right, effects. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was me going off on a tangent <laughs> yeah. instead of talking about what I was trying to say. But so it works a little differently now. Magazine Moon still says non-basic lands or mountains, but basically it works slightly differently. So it affects lands as they come into play as well as uh, while they're in play. So your oh, yeah. shock lands and Guards of Mirrodin lands and stuff like that will mm-hmm. always just come into play as untapped mountains. Right. Uh, Dark Depths comes into play with no counters on it. So that's cool. If they've got a Magus of the Moon and you play Dark Depths and then kill the Magus of the Moon, then you get a twenty twenty. Yeah. So um, and same same thing with Blood Moon now. Uh, so just interesting small rules what, change. What a sweet turn one. Like you're playing like Dark Depths against Stompy and Legacy, and mm-hmm. they go. All right, you know, we've got the payoff. Turn one, ritual out a Magus the Moon. And you're like, all right, Dark Depths, dismember it. (laughs) (laughs) I have a 2020. Good luck with your Chandra's in your hands. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, That sounds sweet. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty into that small thing. It's probably not going to make a difference in a ton of games, but, like, the main thing is now your lands come into play untapped if Mm -hmm. there's a Magus out. Right, so... That's a thing, I guess. As far as other things about the set go, I mean, that's pretty much it. I like getting these additional draft formats. We're getting a ton of... This is the second master set this year. Yeah. We're uh, getting a lot of those, Just which is cool. Yeah. Like, Unstable is like a fun, goofy thing to be able to do in addition to playing Real Magic is coming soon. Um, there's just a lot a lot of products coming out. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah. Not, not a lot more to talk about Iconic Masters besides good... Good, solid choices of reprints. Yeah. The Mythics are a little... Some of the Mythics are great, but the difference between... Mana Drain is right. something that I heard was the thing. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of hilarious. 
I, I assume not going to be a $200 card anymore right. after this. Right. But the difference between opening a Mana Drain as your Mythic and a Thunder Maw Hellkite as your Mythic... <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a little interesting. Right. Like, like the rares in the set are worth a lot more than most of the Mythics. We'll, we'll see how that plays out after a reasonable amount of this set is opened, but mm -hmm. it's a little strange to me. Yeah, and then, you know, the kind of the next thing that we should keep our eye on is Ixalan spoilers. Yep, yep. Got a lot of them. Uh, past week or so, we talked about, like, kind of the most important cards in the set seem to be some of these common and uncommon reprints. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, right, right after we recorded last week's podcast, like, the next day they printed a bunch of, like, very exciting things. Duress, Spellpierce, Opt. These all kind Huge. of happened, like, after our, we recorded our last podcast, and things that I'm super excited about. So, you know, those are all, like, pretty heavy hitters in terms of, like, having an impact on the, you know, having an impact on the standard format. I yeah, think. I, and I think having a cheap cantrip in standard is something that we really have not had for a while. I mean, an opt certainly has modern implications as well. But, mm -hmm. you know, this is going to be a sort of a... With these cheap, like, useful utility spells, like, this feels like we're going back to sort of an older kind of magic almost. Like that, you know, you look at your hand and you have a lot more options uh, besides, like, turn two ramp guy, like, <laughs> yeah. play a planeswalker. Right, right. The, the sort of, like, punch your opponent with this four mana spell kind of magic. I, th I think we might be getting something a little bit different from that. I, uh, I'm definitely excited to see, like, a, a couple extra, like, spells that have a, kind of a big impact on how the game plays out. Definitely. As opposed to, you know, the creatures and the vehicles and uh, all of that stuff that we've been seeing play. And the the Ulamogs, you know, right, right. <laughs> like all of these, all these like super the planeswalkers, all these like super high impact like board creature, you know, or board sorcery speed board yeah. impacting it, it, effects. Right, right, right. That's what I was trying to say. But uh, <laughs> kind of excited for the new kind of like how how that forms the new standard format. Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty new paradigm to have access to. Like, playing a one-mana 1-1 one, one flyer and then holding up a spell pierce for something, like, it's just a very different gameplay pattern than what we've been doing lately. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had, like, Stubborn Denial, I think, in Standard. Like, that was the most recent, like, single blue high-impact card or whatever, and that had a pretty big impact. I remember, like, there was an Abzan deck with Sea Trinos, and it splashed blue for Stubborn Denial. Yep. And that was just a very high, you know, being able to, like, play your siege rhino on five and then pass and then like stubborn denial your opponent's gideon or whatever it was was like pretty high impact play yeah definitely um so i think that we can definitely see some similar things with spell pierce here and, and i think duress and spell pierce particularly since they both neither of them say planeswalker on them but they're both excellent against planeswalkers that's a thing i'm a fan of i, I like i love jace i love new jace Mm -hmm. But I like having these safety valves in the format for, you know, if one of the Planeswalkers turns into Gideon, Ally of Zendikar. In, in the concept of it's, like, just oppressively good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I could definitely see a realistic standard where we're playing decks with four Spell Pierce, four Ops, four Jaces, or, you know, whatever, like, sweet new things. Yeah. Seeing play or whatever. And, you know, that sounds pretty fun. Yeah, I'm pretty into that. I, I have wanted Duress a lot in standard over the past couple of years and especially whenever mardu vehicles was the best deck it would have been really nice to be able to because duress hits 40 percent of their cards and like, yes. like almost all of their spells right all, right all of their good spells at least so it's really nice to have access to that effect mm -hmm. another reprint that uh you and i know a little bit about now is uh, favorable wins <laughs> yeah yeah at, at the ptq i was at which is modern which was modern one of our friends, Clay, managed to top eight with Mono Blue Favorable Wins. Yes. Something like 20 Flying Men, Smuggler's Copter, Favorable Wins. I mean, that was pretty much the deck. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, not really the deck that I would be playing in Modern, but uh, it at least shows... cool to see. Yeah, yeah, super cool to see. Like, like super fun, shows that Modern is a neat, wide-open format, and also showed off that Favorable Wins is... There is power to that card. Right. We lost a lot of the... We lost all of the, like, two-mana, two-one flash guys. Uh, those, those are going away in rotation. So there's fewer obvious cards to combine with favorable wins. Like, I don't know that a mono blue deck is going to exist until we get a couple more sets in here. But, you know, stuff like 
like aerial responder with favorable winds mm-hmm. is really good. Yeah, and you know they printed another one mana one one flyer. Right, there's um, one. He's excellent, I think. Yeah. Uh, what does he do exactly? He so Siren Storm Tamer. He, he it, sacks to counter a spell or ability that targets a you, you or, or planes or a creature you. Control. Yeah, you or a creature you control. So yeah. so that's some pretty decent like mid game value, and he's just a one mana one one flyer yeah. for a deck that wants that. Yeah, kind of. It kind of maybe even feels like. Uh, Mother of Runes one-time use kind of effect where right. like you play this creature gets in for a couple damage and then saves your bigger threats later on yep which you know that play pattern seems pretty strong yep and he also kind of protects planeswalkers from lightning strikes uh, although that rule may be changing at some point in the future but you know if you've got your jace down they can't lightning strike you to kill your jace right the right wasn't there an update with that so not yet the way that it is worded on arena to sort of like I think to make it work better with dragging, like, targeting towards stuff, yeah, yeah. his lightning strike says three damage to any target. So you can target a player, a creature, or a planeswalker okay. with it. Yeah. That rule change is not finalized for regular Magic the Gathering yet. And there's is there any discussion about it potentially being? Yeah. Aaron Forsyth okay. has, has tweeted about it being something that they're looking to do. Mm-hmm. It's a little complicated, though, because... Do you errata all old cards to be able to do this? Do you make a rule change so something that can target a player can target a Planeswalker? Because that doesn't really make sense with a card like Blightning. You can't make a Planeswalker discard two cards. Right. But you can do the three damage to the Planeswalker. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they would implement that. Yeah. Um, but anything that makes magic cleaner, I think, is a good step. And yeah. the, the play pattern in paper of Bolt You? Wait for a response. Does it resolve? Okay, I'll redirect it to your Liliana or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah that's like that's kind of like an ugly interaction, and it's awful for the new player. Right. Yeah. The the new player who's holding up negate and his opponent goes bolt you. Yeah. And goes, oh, I don't. Sure. Yeah, I don't that's care. fine. I don't care. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, their planeswalker is dead. Right. So like anything that kind of like you know makes that just like not exist anymore would be pretty sweet. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and um, I, I think the cleanest way seems to be getting rid of the rule completely and just going forward, making burn spells that they want to target Planeswalkers be able mm-hmm. to target Planeswalkers. Sure, sure. But, you know, that that does change, like, the value of Lightning Bolt and that sort of thing. Right. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. Would make Planeswalkers significantly more powerful. The other, like, interesting thing that it, maybe a lot of people listening don't know about is that currently you cannot bolt your own Planeswalkers. There are, like, very, very strange corner cases where that is something that you would ever want to do. Mm-hmm. But currently, as it exists, you you can never, like, say, bolt yourself redirected to my Liliana. Right. But with this rules change, maybe you could just bolt your Liliana. Yep, if you need to pump a Tarmogoyf for something like exactly. that. Exactly, right. I think that that's kind of, like, the only scenario where I see that coming up. Right. We can brainstorm things. That's the one that will happen in actual magic. Of magic <laughs> right, right, yeah. Tarfire, my own Planeswalker, is something, is a play that I think that I tried to make in, like, competitive magic before I knew that I just couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And definitely had a judge, like, stop me and be like, hey, what are you doing? It's <laughs> like, I'm trying to pump my Tarmogoy for <laughs> for damage. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just a lot of that stuff with Planeswalkers is very unintuitive, mm-hmm. and it would be nice to get it cleaned up somehow. For sure, yeah. For other spoilers, so these enchantments that flip into legendary lands, I, I think are very cool. Yeah, they're definitely interesting. I was taking a look at a couple of those, and it seems like a lot of them have like potential to be powerful, but probably only in a standard context. I, I mostly agree there. Like, people were excited about um, the green one that becomes a cradle. Yeah, becomes guy's cradle. People were like, wow, this is going to be busted in elves in modern, but I just think it's too slow. Um, I think that all of these cards are appropriately costed where they come down at like a reasonable time. Yeah. Um, like seeing things like Maze of Ith or Guy's Cradle, like in a standard format, or just lands with that text on them, seems super busted, but I think that if you recognize that this is only coming down at a later port- part of the game, then it's probably fair. Yeah. And, you know, whether or not it's good enough to see play in standard, I have no idea. But I definitely don't think that these are, like, busted in an eternal setting. Right, right. I wouldn't be surprised if the Guy's Cradle one became a thing that some elves decks, maybe in modern, Mm -hmm. were interested in doing. I mean, Guy's Cradle is just an incredibly powerful effect. It does take a lot of work. It costs three mana. 
the effect that it gives you is like impulse for a creature which is right. not powerful well i think the the kind of like anecdotal statement i can make against that is that you know if you're playing elves and you've got four dudes in play why haven't you won the game you've got enough mana yeah at least you you know you might not be winning the game but you've got enough mana right for the most part right you know the deck is good enough with pumping mana into overruns and winning that right. way and, and it just yeah. works uh it's possible that there's a build the format develops to a point where like you want creative behemoth or something sure like that. sure right yeah i mean this definitely opens up avenues for that for sure yeah i don't know i think that like you know maybe the front side of these cards are just like more powerful than i'm giving them credit for the green one is like impulse for a creature i think yeah uh, i'm not entirely sure what the others do off the top of my head but well, so the, the blue one i think is the one that has a clearest standard application right off the bat um, so the blue one is search for Azkanta, uh, one in a blue legendary enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. You may put it into your graveyard. Then if you have seven or more cards in your graveyard, you may transform search for Azkanta. Uh, and then it becomes a legendary land that taps for a blue and has two in a blue tap. Look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a non-creature, non-land card from among them. Put it into your hand. Put the rest of on the bottom of your library in any order. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that one seems pretty strong. Right. Yeah. I, I think it's just generally quite strong. It, mm -hmm. like, gives blue a slow rampant growth, which blue is probably interested in. And it's especially clearly something that, that you want to try to slot into the approach decks. Right. Because um, it... it it's a slow ramp spell, but you ramp into a seven mana spell. So even if it doesn't work for a couple of turns, it's I mean, getting that's you perfect there. for approach to the second sun. Yep. So it, yeah. it takes cards off the top of your library and gets you and closer you can to dig towards it again. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, I think it's a perfect fit for the approach decks. Might also just be good in general in blue control decks. Right. It's you know it's definitely a pretty powerful card advantage engine. Yeah. Um, in the late game of effectively four mana impulse on a stick. Yeah, it's it's certainly going to be an important aspect of control mirror matches. If if one player gets one down and then is able to stop the other player from resolving their search and then eventually can just draw cards over the course of the game, then, right. then that's yeah. powerful. Yeah, stopping this from resolving seems tough. Although we do have spell pierce. Yep. I was thinking about like, you know, if you're on the play, what's your opponent gonna do? Oh, they're just gonna spell pierce you. Yep. Okay, so that seems reasonable. I don't know. It, you know, it seems interesting. Uh, and, and I think the filtering aspect, you know, you, you might draw two and then you can't flip the other one. But I think the filtering aspect is a real thing. Get rid of lands that you don't want as the game goes on. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a reason Glimmer of Genius is so heavily played. Um, right. It's, you know, it's just a, you know, it helps you hit your land drops, honestly. Yeah. It's kind of like one of the bigger things. Yeah, yeah. If that's what's important in the matchup and you get to make that decision every single turn what's important yeah. in the matchup. Um, right, yeah. If one person has a search down and the other person doesn't, then... Yeah, that seems the like the they're they're goes. probably just going to run away with the game in a control mirror. Yeah, uh, I would expect. You know, I'm, I'm definitely not a control guru, but it certainly seems like being on the other side of this in a matchup where you're not killing your opponent quickly mm -hmm. would be very frustrating. Yes, for sure. Yeah, blue blue black control mirrors with dresses and spell pierces and searches. Yep, you know, seems but, seems pretty cool. I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of matches going to time if that becomes a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think that the presence of Spell Pierce and Duress will do a good job of giving tools to aggressive or mid-range or fishy kind of decks uh, against the control decks. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to fumigate somebody if they have access to, to Duress and Spell Pierce, or at least a lot harder than right. without those available. Yeah. Kind of one more card that I want to talk about a little bit. You know, not very flashy, but just seems really strong. Charging Monstrosaur. Uh, okay. Which is the five mana five five trample haster? Yeah, the uncommon four and a red. Yeah. Yep. Hey, remember Reality Smasher? Yeah, that card's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, this is just a red Reality Smasher. Yeah, and it doesn't have the removal text, but it's much easier to cast in a red deck. Yeah. So I think that this card seems pretty strong, honestly. Like okay. I uh, maybe it's just in a limited context, but you know maybe there's going to be some like red green. Monsters, rampant, monstrosaur, kind of deal, and like, it's a dinosaur. Like that yeah. creature type matters. Like maybe our five drop slot is too cluttered in standard with Glorybringer, with like Glorybringers and stuff, like boats and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But boat being um, sky sovereign, yeah. um, everybody. So maybe maybe like the five drop slot is like too cluttered. But 
I just think this card's sweet, and yeah. I, I want to see it play. And, and I mean, this thing like actually lines up pretty decently against those other five drops. If yeah, that's a thing. You know, five, but you know, you can't... Ringer don't kill it. Chandra doesn't kill it. It kills Chandra pretty hard. Yes, absolutely. So you know, I think that this this card might just like be like one of the uncommons that just sees play. Yeah. and it's kind of weird because I think in my recent experience, like all the uncommons that have seen play in standard have been like these like cheap creatures or like the three mana creatures that just kind of like do a lot like rogue refiners and world of virtuosos and stuff like that mm-hmm. so it, it kind of feels weird seeing like a five mana uncommon yeah that ha- could potentially see play because like all the five mana cards that see play in standard are like planeswalkers or rare bombs or stuff like that but yeah i don't know this card just might be sweet well, well and that makes sense because i think you know, if you have a card at five mana that's good enough to play in Constructed, mm-hmm. in most limited games, that card's going to take over the game. Right. So it's tough to have that at Uncommon. I think this might this might break open a lot of limited games, and I think it's going to be very annoying mm-hmm. a, a significant amount of the time. Right. You know, it's not as abusive in a limited format as a Glorybringer is. So. Right, yeah. But I, I think it's at the end of the day, be... it's just a five-five trample. Yep, and um, you know, you, a lot of people are going to be making six sixes in this format. So yeah, right. So you know, maybe maybe just like looks overly powerful from the, you know the perspective that we have of limited formats. But maybe this format's just like the power and toughness is just so much bigger than that. Then it's fine. Right. So and, and hopefully, you know, the common removal lines up. So that each of the non-dinosaur tribes have answers to dinosaurs. I, I right. assume that's yeah. going to exist. And like the other thing that we that could be the case is if three three is the normal size of creatures, two three threes fights this. Two three threes, you know, that you play on turn three and turn four is you're just fine. Right, yep. you just double block and move on. Right, and it, even if they have like a pump spell or something, then they're losing the haste on this card because they can't just attack it into those three threes. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, like, assuming the turn that they, like, play this and attack with it on, you know, a much later turn, then, you know, hopefully the board's stalled enough where, you know, you're you, going to You can be do the right. quad block or something right. like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like, the card is clearly less overtly powerful than the 5-mana 4-4 that comes with a 3-3 trample and gives all your dinosaurs haste mm-hmm. as, as a 5-drop. But it's yeah. possible that the format lines up such that this is a great turn five play because you're so interested in killing specific planeswalkers that it kills but the four four that makes a three three haste doesn't quite do the trick against uh, yeah. I, I think it's just a matter of do the removal spells and common board states for five mana lineup to where this is what you want to be doing and, yeah and i think that's possible yeah for sure one other dinosaur that i think is really cool is uh rampaging ferocidon so this is two and a red for a three three with three upsides, which is not something that red gets a lot. Oh um, yeah, this is the, um, the skull crack. Yeah, guy. menace. Players can't gain life whenever another creature enters the battlefield. Rampaging Ferocidon deals one damage to that creature's controller. I think probably you don't replace Oncrop Crasher in the main deck with this card because Oncrop Crasher is a very for good red. game one card. Yeah, but I think you know you take out Oncrop Crasher enough in in certain matchups. Like, a lot of times you'll take out a couple on the draw uh, against a deck like Teamer or something. Um, and this just seems like a powerful game two and three card against ways that people commonly fight red decks. Like, it's good against Whirler Virtuoso. It's good against life gain spells. Um, and it, it, it just seems like a decent option for that deck to have. Yeah, I, I like it. The It seems like, you know, it, it does enough on one card that, you know, it's probably worth playing three mana for. The body's relatively large enough. And the menace really um, makes it able to deal damage. Right, right, right. Be able to get that damage in for sure. Yeah, yeah. It you know seems strong. Uh, it'll have to have the right shell, I think. Right. You know maybe ramming up red is that shell. Maybe it isn't. Maybe we're going to be seeing like a slightly bigger version of that. But I don't know. Um, yeah, and you got to be careful not to like lock yourself with this thing. Like I don't unlock yourself with this guy, and you can't play creatures anymore because then you'll die. <laughs> but yes, right, right. <laughs> Good old Eidolon lock. <laughs> and then one other thing that I've been thinking about a lot is I'm really liking the concept. And, and we don't have the whole set. We don't know what the format's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we delve into that some next week. I think next week we're going to devote a lot of time to what's rotating out and then predictions for... When do full spoilers come out? So we're recording this on September 12th. Pre-release weekend is the 23rd. So, you know, we normally have... 
the full spoiler a couple of days before the pre-release. Right. So maybe we can arrange our recording time to, to make sure that we have the full spoiler a little bit before we record. Um, but at least, no matter when we record the next episode, I think we're definitely going to talk about what's rotating out and, and what we, we're thinking that means for the format. Right now, one of the things that I'm thinking, um, just sort of bouncing around in my head, is I really am liking the idea of blue-black improvise, um, maybe with another color. Uh, never got there during this current standard. I think we might be waiting on a powerful treasure card to make it really work. But cards that I'm really liking the idea of specifically are Battle at the Bridge, Gain a bunch of life, kills Hazarets, just seems like a decent removal spell, especially since we don't have access to Grasp of Darkness anymore. And then Tezzeret itself is a pretty sweet Planeswalker. It's a 4-mana Planeswalker that goes up to 6 loyalty, if that's what you want to do. It has removal built in. Uh, it has an ultimate that, depending on deck construction, can win the game. So I think the tools may be there to build a deck like this. Uh, I think the tools are there to build it so that it's powerful against Teamer and powerful against Red depending on how those decks end up getting built. I mean, one of the main things I'm keeping an eye out is for some sort of decent, efficient treasure generator yeah. that makes this deck right. get yeah. that extra little boost. Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about that last time, too. The more and more cards that get printed that I'm seeing like that, the more and more likely I think that it's going to be. So It's yeah. still not there. The treasure cards are a little bit expensive right now. Yeah, right. Um, especially, like, given the example of Red Red for a 1-1 one, one, that you get a treasure when it comes into play. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not getting a Treasure Thraven Inspector. Yeah. So... Cross your fingers, you know, there's still hope. <laughs> but yeah, you know, that, that seems pretty pretty unrealistic. Right. Uh, just due to the concept of, you know, ramping mana too aggressively. Yeah. Is something that they watch out for. So. Yeah, and, and what this deck probably needs is some sort of, like, mid-game removal spell that also gives you some treasures or something like uh -huh. that that sort of turns the rest of your yeah. stuff on. Uh, so like we'll a see. Three, two to three mana thing, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, seems seems fine, for sure. I'm excited so far from what I've been seeing. You know, definitely some exciting things. I like the Planeswalkers that we've seen so far. Right, like, Jace seems very good, but not oppressive in any mm -hmm. way. Right. Um, Regisaur Alpha seems very strong, and I'm kind of, like, excited to see where people decide to go with, like, a maybe, like, a Dinosaur Monsters shell. Yeah. So that's the one that makes the token? That's the 5-mana 4-4? Four, four? That's the 5-mana 4-4 four, four okay. that makes the 3-3, three, three, yeah. I really like the flavor of that guy. He's, like, oh, yeah? a Jurassic Park scene where, he like, the, the big dinosaur stands there roaring as the little dinosaurs, like, run out and attack stuff. Yes. And, and so, you know, the 3-3 three, three goes out and attacks as he stands there and attacks next turn. So I'm, I'm pretty into that. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> oh, one other little thing. One of my friends had mentioned what, what goes really well in Standard with the growing rights of Itlamok that turns into the Guy's Cradle. If you cast Sram's Expertise, you can cast uh, the rights for free, and then you've got three of the four creatures you need in order to flip it into a Guy's oh, Cradle. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, so that could definitely be like a ramp four into eight infinite potentially yeah yeah i don't know exactly what shell all of these things go into together right. but clearly the rights the the guy's cradle enchantment right wants a deck with a bunch of creatures yeah you might be doing that with tokens yeah i mean you know green white sense. green white tokens could be a thing yep. um that we see when when does the green enchantment guy's cradle trigger end of turn i believe okay so it's not like we couldn't see a play pattern of like play it on turn four immediately flip it and then cast another green right. thing. Right, you can't do okay. that. Yeah, it's at the beginning of your end step, if you control four or more creatures, transform growing rights of Itlamok. So we could cast Collect a Company, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, gotcha. Okay, I see. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's any flash stuff that will make sense, but certainly you can cast a two-mana ramp creature into Sram's Expertise on turn three and put this out. I mean, that's kind of a specific hand, but I don't think right. it's totally insane. Yeah, but then on turn four, you're you're at a lot of mana, yep. you know? But, like, I don't know what big payoffs we're going to have for something like that now. Right, right. Maybe a very large dinosaur, because, like, you know, we've lost Ulamog as much as I enjoy ramping into Ulamog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're not going to be able to do that anymore in Standard. Right, right. But, yeah, you know, maybe they print just a huge, high-impact green dinosaur. Yeah, hard to imagine um, much stuff that's more high impact than like the Naya legendary dinosaur right, or, yeah. or some of the big ones we've already seen. Yeah, I mean, you know, that could be the payoff if you're if you're all three of those colors. Then right, we're we're certainly at least two of them to start out with. So and a lot of the two mana ramp creatures that we have currently make multiple colors of mana. Right. right. So that's another consideration. Yeah, definitely. I guess we should talk. I, I think maybe the last thing we talk about is opt 
modern implications. Yeah. I think that that's a very important um, piece of this set. I was watching Caleb share stream Storm, um, and he kind of has a unique take on modern Storm where he plays a bunch of cantrips and no fetch lands mm -hmm. and no remands. Um, and he's like super cantrip heavy and wants to... He plays a lot of grape shots and a lot of Pass in Flames and kind of like wants to draw those naturally and is less all in on drawing like a dude, a, a creature. Mm -hmm. And he was saying on stream that he was very excited to put Opt in Modern Storm. Okay. In at least that shell of Modern Storm. Mm -hmm. It is, I do believe that Opt is worse than other cantrips that exist right now. I think it's worse than Serum Visions. I think it's worse than... Thought Scour. Uh... The one that looks at two... Oh, Sleight of Hand. Sleight of Hand. I think it's worse than both of those because mm -hmm. Opt sees one and a half cards and those right. cards see two to three cards. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, if you're playing a shell that wants just like either a huge density of cantrips, yeah. then it'll see play. Or if you really, really, really want to be playing at instant speed, then that would be another reason to play it. But other than that, I just don't really know where it's going to fall into modern. Yeah, and I think that's about right. And I think, so the other version of Storm, which runs Remans, I think may also be interested in Op because of the instant speed. Right, If you yep. can turn three, you know, you play a mana guy and pass the turn because, you know, you're not feeling too under too much pressure and you feel safer going off with all your lands untapped, yeah. then you can pass the turn with the option to remand or opt if they don't play anything. Right. Uh, and that's pretty nice. Or, or, you know, just regular play pattern, turn two, pass the turn with remand up. If you don't care about what they do, then you still get to opt. Right, right. So that's nice. I think most Snapcaster decks are going to be pretty interested in opt. That's true. That's actually one thing that I didn't consider too much, is that... You know, your Snapcaster might be a good enough reason for people to be playing Opt. Yeah. Because, you know, that's another play pattern where, like, sometimes you just want to jam your Snapcaster Mage. Most of the time, the things that you're just, like, kind of generally doing for value are either the current sorcery speed cantrips that we've got mm -hmm. or, like, Thoughtseize effects or something that are also all sorcery speed. Yep. So being able to just, like, you know, jam your Snapcaster Mage and Opt for value seems yep. like a great play. I, I just hate the... Well, I need to get this Snapcaster Mage in play. I need to draw a card. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to cast it on my main phase, get this Serum Visions. Right, right, like, right. Like the, the Rogue Refiner play pattern out of your deck that wants to be operating at instant speed just feels not not great. Yes. Right. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely a fan of turn two Snapcaster Mage. So uh, <laughs> so I think that that kind of like fits right into that kind of general idea of, you know, sometimes you just need to get a beater down. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And, um, and being able yeah. to do that at instant speed and be threatening all of... You know, Death Shadow's got a lot of instants in it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you don't you don't want to tap out... Even if you don't have uh, Stubborn Denial in hand, like you still want to threaten it most of the time. So being able to pass the turn and then still get down your Cantrip Snapcaster, yeah. I think, is a good option. For sure. I definitely agree. Yeah, there, there have been a lot of times where my opponent against me... And I tend to play like pretty degenerate decks, so maybe this is just like a byproduct of the decks that I'm playing. But sure. like, whenever opponent against me recently in modern has like been turn three Snapcaster Mage Serum Visions, I'm just like, oh man, it's about to happen now. <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah. We're about to go out of control. I was yeah. scared of what you had before, and now right. I don't yeah. even have to think about it. Right, right. You know, I can I can cast my prime time. I can storm off i can you know do all these things that you know the control player doesn't want you to be able to even consider doing yeah so. right and and death shadow is a slightly less terrified there because it runs so much hand disruption mm -hmm. so you kind of understand what they can do to you before you have to commit to that main phasing yeah but you know people draw cards at the beginnings of their turn and it's really nice not to have to like dodge a thing if you don't have to dodge a thing right right for sure that covers most of my thoughts on Ixalan in particular. Yeah, but I, I'm excited. There's some really cool stuff on the horizon for Standard. I, I really like these cheap reprints that are just going to give us more options. I mean, Saffron Olive wrote an article that I think was actually pretty good on like the return to Magic the Gathering, how just we're, we're at a higher level of interaction and sort of like cheap cards that have an impact on the game without you just having to like tap five mana and hope that this thing is good enough mm -hmm. um and i'm you know opt duress spell pierce lightning strike are all kind of participants in that idea and i'm pretty excited to have those in standard yeah definitely i'm excited i think that 
Standard has been in pretty good shape recently. It has. And I think that that's kind of like a product of Wizards moving up their bar on, you know, making sure that standard interactions are very good and healthy for the format. Yep. And I think that, honestly, this so far just seems like a continuation of that. So I'm very excited. Yeah, definitely. Next week, we're going to come back and hopefully be able to talk through what we're losing out of standard. And, and hopefully we'll have enough cards out by then that we'll have reasonable predictions for what's going to happen at least in the first week or two then yeah i think that's it for today sweet awesome thanks for listening